Verse 30 says, And Jesus answered, said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him, say it, half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the host, and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more when I come again, I will repay thee. Which now of these three thinkest thou was the neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And he said, that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, go and do thou likewise. Take you back to verse 30. It says that they had beat him. They had wounded him. Stripped him of all that he had. And departed, leaving him half dead. Half dead. Tonight, for just a little while, I want to talk to you on the subject. I'm still alive. I'm still alive. Would you go to the Lord in prayer right now? God, we thank you, Lord, for your spirit. God, we thank you, Lord, for what we've already felt in your house tonight. God, we thank you for your touch this morning, Lord. God, but tonight, Lord, there is a promise, God. Lord, and I pray that your anointing would rest upon me right now, God. Anoint these lips of clay, your servant, God. Lord, and we call upon you, God, giving you all the glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. About a year ago, I was sitting in with a Bible study, and there was a young man there, and this young man's name was Thomas. And Thomas is just going through the small talk, telling about his life, and telling all that he had been through, his mom and dad, and he ended up living with his grandpa and grandma, and the whole time Thomas is talking, Thomas has a shaved head, and I begin to notice that Thomas has a scar that probably took up most of his head, and no one was going to ask Thomas what it was, because we didn't want to bring up anything that you know he might not want to talk about. But Thomas begins to tell about his life and his family and his walk. And, you know, he's trying churches out and trying to figure out where he wants to be and where he belongs. But Thomas is sitting there and you see Thomas begin to start reminiscing of his life. And it hits him, okay, well, I guess, you know, we've got to go ahead and get the obvious out there. I need to tell these guys why I have this scar on my head. So he begins to say that one night he was with his grandpa and he started losing his functions of his hands and feet and his motor skills due to a large tumor that was on his brain. His grandpa called 911 and he was taken to St. Elizabeth's Hospital in Beaumont, Texas, where they said that they did all that they could 
but he wasn't going to make it. His grandfather urged them to do all that they could do to save his grandson. But when a team of doctors finally decided that they would send him to MD Anderson in Houston, the EMT on the helicopter pronounced him dead about halfway there. When he landed at MD Anderson, they rushed Thomas in to check his vitals and his pulse one last time. They found that Mr. Thomas was not dead, but in fact, he was still very much alive. And I listened as Thomas made the statement with tears in his eyes, reliving this horrible story all over again. And he looks at us with tears rolling down his face and he says, How are you going to pronounce me dead when I'm still alive? And that struck a chord inside of my spirit and said, How many people get pronounced dead way before it's too early? They, they wait too long. They live their life and they hear those words, It's not looking good for you. You're not going to make it. To hear the horror, they said you were dead. <sighs> you mean they were about to be done with me forever? You mean they were about to put me six feet under? Yeah, that's what we mean, Thomas. Well, how are you going to pronounce me dead while I'm still alive? Unfortunately, there are a lot of people who get pronounced dead who are not done fighting and who are not done giving it their all. In the story of the Good Samaritan, the story focuses on the man who helps this man who was beaten and left to die. The Bible says that he was half dead. But the story is called the story of the Good Samaritan. It doesn't say it's the story of the beaten, broken man. It doesn't paint this beautiful picture of this man who was hurt and dying. But it does paint a picture of a man who is willing to help that person out. Jesus is telling a man this story of the Good Samaritan and says something without really saying it. What do I mean by that? I mean the story is called the Good Samaritan. It's not a story of the bruised man. It's not a story of the proud priest. It's not a story of the arrogant Levite. This story is about a Good Samaritan. Yet in this story, Jesus mentions a man who was victim of abuse. Anybody ever been that? A victim of abuse. He begins to tell him that there were thieves who had taken all that he had and stripped him of his clothes and his pride and abandoned him there to die in his shame. The Bible says that because of this man's condition, that he was passed by as roadkill, if you will. This priest walks by and you know circumstances didn't look too good. He didn't look like he was going to make it. Every single one of them that walked by saw this man as being half dead. They said, you know what, there's not much life there in him. You know, and, and, and he's bloody and he's messy and maybe we better stay away from that. And then the Levite comes over and it's the same scenario. He looks and he begins to count the cost and it just wasn't worth it. But yet in this story, Jesus takes the time to talk about this man. The Bible says that because of this man's condition, he was passed by. He was discredited because of his circumstance. That man couldn't help what happened to him. He was walking along, living his life just as he would every day. But something happened to him on a sudden notice and he couldn't control it. But that man was left to die. 
He was abandoned. But thank God that somebody found him when he was dying and saw him and said, you know what, he may be half dead, but you know what that tells me? That he's half alive. That tells me that there's still something inside of that dying man that I can take the time to care for and help get him back to where he needs to be. But because life had dealt him a poor hand, some of us have been there too. He was lying there ready to give in. He probably even started to listen to the naysayers and his critics as they walked by. Could you imagine being that wounded person who was living their life every day just normal? Just minding your own business. When all of a sudden some men jump you, take all of your clothes, your money, they beat you and leave you to die. And you're laying there just praying for somebody to walk by and see you. Maybe you're out in the middle of nowhere and you're, my word, I hope somebody sees me. My word, I'm laying here and I hope somebody sees this dying man. And the first person that comes by, a priest of all people, surely this man will help me. He's a priest. God has called him. Surely he will have mercy on me and take care of me and restore me. But you know what? That priest began to count the cost and it was too much. Perhaps too much blood would get on his hands. But then the Levite comes by and this is a Levite. Man, surely he will help me. Surely this man will take care of me. But what this man must have felt when he saw that guy looking at him and, ah, I can't take care of him. I can't, I can't do that. That's too much. I've got a reputation to keep. I've got to watch out for my name. I, 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 can't, I can't do it. He had to sit here and listen and watch as these men walked by. They looked at this man. He is hurt, stripped, and beaten. It's rather embarrassing, and I wouldn't be caught dead with him. So they just did what most do when things get tough, and they simply depart and leave. When things begin to get uncomfortable, and maybe we, we don't like the situation, and it's really not what we had hoped for, it's a lot easier to just check out and leave. When circumstances in a church, maybe they're uncomfortable, and you don't really like it, maybe it's... Just as easy to check out and leave and go to another church where there's not a dying man. Maybe it's easy to just pack your things and go to the church down the road where everybody seems to be going because everything's right over there and there's nobody dying over there. Right? But there was a man who looked at this dying man and had compassion on him. And he says, you know what? I have counted the cost. I have saw that, you know, I might have to have some blood on my hands. But you know what? I can't afford to let this man sit here and die who is still half alive. In this story, Jesus says something without really saying it. A comment was made one day. It's where all of this came from. And it was talking about a group of people in a church. A children's department. A youth group. An elderly ministry. And you know what? The comment was made, well, we've kind of accepted our losses with that group. We're just going to wait on the group that's coming up to fill that gap and to be that solid anchor, to be that solid ones that we need. And that stirred something deep inside of me. And I said, how can you say that? How can you say it? Well, there's only five or six of them. 
well, we'll just accept our losses. There, there's not that many of them anyways. We'll just, they're dying. They're half dead. We might as well accept our losses. And I went into the prayer room that day and I began to pray and say, God, this is not right. God, though they may be only four or five of them. God, though they may seem like it's, there's not much going on right now. There may not be anything going for them. But God, there's still something there. There's still... And I've read this scripture over and over and over again my whole life. I've heard this story since I was in Sunday school. And I've never saw that before in my life until this day when I, God immediately took me to this passage of scripture. And I began to read and just go through. And when I saw half dead, half dead, the Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, that dying man was still half alive. The Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, hey, you know what? That group of people that other people are trying to write off and say they're not going to make it. There's no way they're going to survive. Guess what? The Holy Ghost spoke to me and said, you don't give up. There's still life there. There's still hope there. There's still a promise there. Though it may not seem like much now, you might have counted the cost and said, it may not be worth all of my trouble to go over there and help that group out. It may not be worth my time to volunteer my services to the church. But you know what? I see something. And though it may not be much right now, I know what it once was. Not only that, but I know what it can be. It may take some sacrifice on my part. It may take some blood on my hands, but you know what? I want to do whatever I can to help something that's half alive. But so many people see the cost and they begin to walk away. Would you see something right now as half alive that you have spoken evil of, that you have looked down on and say, you know what? There is still life. There is still life. Amen. Amen. I read as these men walk by with their perception of this man. What they see this man as. And it was a perception of this is a dying man. There's nothing I can do for him. He's a goner. Perhaps I will make it to his viewing. Maybe even buy him a plant to say that I cared. But I can't really do much because this man is already half dead. I'm no doctor. I'm no surgeon. I can't. I'm not a preacher, I'm not a youth pastor, I'm not a Sunday school teacher. There's not much I can do for that person. There's not much I can do for that youth group. There's not much I can do for that Sunday school department. Yes, you can because there's still life there. And when God still has half life, that's all God needs. God just needs a little bit of life. He said if you have faith, a grain of a mustard seed, you can move a mountain. So what is this man who is still half alive? He's still half strength and half not. He's halfway there. He just needs somebody to pick him up and give him a boost. The Holy Ghost spoke to me. He was still half alive. But you see a lot of us view the cup as half empty. We see a glass that somebody's poured out or drank half of it. And we look at it and we don't say it's half full. We say it's half empty. Because we're... Depressing people. We see the negative in everything. And we see a, something, oh, that, that got poured out. What a waste. What a waste. But that glass is still half full. There's still some substance there. There's still something that can quench your thirst. Though it may not seem like much. Maybe it wasn't what you were hoping for. It's something. 
Though that dying man may not be exactly what you want, but there's something there. There's something still alive. There's something still moving. You see, things in this life may scar you, but you cannot let them define you. That man was dying. And while others were coming around saying, well, you know what? You're a dying man. There's no hope for you. And he probably felt like giving up and didn't want to cry out anymore. But you know what? The things in life that scarred him, he said, I'm not going to let those things define me anymore. I'm not going to let those things get in my head and try to tell me that I'm not going to make it. Because I'm still half alive. I know I can't move much because it hurts when I move. I know spiritually I feel wounded and when I lift my hands to pray, I really don't feel like I used to. But God, I still feel you moving and that's enough. That's enough to tell me that I'm still alive. The fact that I woke up this morning with breath in my body tells me I'm still alive. Though I may feel sluggish, though I may feel dead and not going to make it through the day, God is reminding me that I'm still alive. You see, Daniel was thrown into a den of lions. He was to be put to death. But what a shocker to those that looked in as they opened the den up and saw Daniel. Who should have been dead. Whose life should have been no more. The Bible says, but the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste unto the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake unto Daniel. Daniel, O servant of the living God, are you still alive, Daniel? Is there breath in your body? I, I know that the chances aren't very high because you got thrown into a pit of hungry lions who are purposely there to devour you. I understand that, Daniel, but there's something in me I've got I've to see. Is there life there? Are you still half alive? Are you still... And what must have went through that king's mind? When then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angels and hath shut the lion's mouth, that they have not hurt me for as much as before him innocency was found in me. And also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. He said, I'm still alive. I'm still alive, O king, because my God hath stepped in. When I stepped in with my faith, I didn't know what was going to happen. But I knew that God was going to take care of me. And what must the people have been doing when that happened? To see this person who was destined for death. When that king cried out, oh Daniel, oh Daniel, please tell me you're alive. I know that circumstances don't look very good. Dead man, I know circumstances don't look very good. But if there is any way, if there is any hope whatsoever, Daniel, are you still there? Daniel, is there any way that maybe you're going to make it? Maybe you're not, I don't know, but just cry out to me, Daniel. And Daniel cries out, yes, I'm still alive. Yes, there's still breath in my body. My God delivered me out of the mouths of the lions. He shut their mouth when I should have been dead and devoured. God saved me and I'm still alive. Standing unscratched, untattered and unharmed. As he was able to declare, I am still alive. You see, there were three Hebrew boys that took a stand. They did the right thing. 
So they were exempt from all harm and pain because they did the right thing. They were exempt from all trials and tribulation because they did the right thing. That's not what my Bible tells me. It says, and they still got thrown into the fire. Can I tell someone tonight that sometimes doing the right thing, you still have to wind up in the fire. You still have to go through the trial. But God uses that as a time to show someone that you have a testimony. To say, I've been through the fire. I know what it was like to be in there. And you know what? They begin to throw the men in the fire. And the Bible says that even the men that threw them in there were cast down and died. That was death, ladies and gentlemen. There was no way out of this situation. If the fire was so hot that when they opened the door, that it destroyed the men right there and consumed them, there was no hope for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Because they were tossed all the way in, bound. They didn't have a chance to fight. They didn't get a chance to run away. But when they walk away and say, you know, there they go. And I guarantee you the crowd was full that day. But once they got thrown in, I promise you, like the Bible says about this man, they departed and left. Well, they're goners. They're not going to make it. But for those that were still there, when they peek inside of that window, and he says, hold on just a minute. Didn't we throw three men into this fire? Yes, yes, sir. Yes, we sure did. We threw three men, one, two, three, into the fire. Well, why is it that there are four men walking in the flame? Because these three Hebrew boys were about to walk out and to declare to all those still watching to say that I'm still alive. I serve a God that those circumstances may not seem very good. There may not be a way for me to get out. I'm still alive. There's still life there. Though it may not be good hope. Though it may not seem like it's even possible. They were still alive. The Bible says about Job that he lost everything. He lost it all. His family, his money, his cattle, his land. Everything. If any man had a right to just be mad, it was Job. If any man had a right... To just be frustrated and check out and leave. It was Job. He was put in a situation where he had lost all he had. And everything that could go wrong. All went wrong. And it all went wrong at once, Brother Jay. Anybody ever been there? It seems like everything, all at once. Just one thing after another. Oh my. How am I going to make it? There was no time for Job to heal. It was one thing after another. And just when he thought, okay, maybe I'm getting over this. Maybe it's all right. Maybe I'm going to heal. Boom, another blow. Oh, well, I'm healing now. I'm healing again. And, you know, things are going, boom, another blow. It was one thing after another, tearing this man down and beating him. There was no time for rest. It was test after test and trial after trial. Verse 9 of the scripture says, his wife said, this is the message, it says, Still holding on to your precious integrity, are you? Curse God and die. He told her, You're talking like an empty-headed fool. We take the good days from God. Why not also take the bad days? 
Later he said, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. What does that mean? That means when I'm put in the fire. That means when I'm put in a bad situation. That means when I'm lying there half dead. Guess what? He's going to pull you out. And when you come out, you're going to be as pure as gold. He's going to take out every impurity, every hurt, every scar. And he's going to begin to wash it all away. And he's going to turn you into precious gold. He's going to turn you into something that is pure. But sometimes it gets a little too hot in the fire. And some people say, well, why don't you curse God and die? Well, he gives and takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord. I may be half dead. It feels like sometimes that I just don't know if I'm going to make it. But I'm still alive. There's a song out right now and the words simply say, If you see me cry, it's just a sign that I'm still alive. I've got some scars, but I'm still alive. In spite of calamity, he still has a plan for me. And it's working for my good. And it's building my testimony. Sometimes you cry at night and you God, I'm tired of crying. Lord, I feel like every night I'm crying myself to sleep. Be encouraged, lady. Be encouraged, men. You're still alive. There's still hope. Even though there's tears in your eyes, let that be a sign to you you're still alive. Though there may be problems and struggles, you're still alive. And it says it was building our testimony. And the Bible says we're overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Yes, we've been through it. Yes, there were trying times, but we made it through. And when I should have been dead, when I shouldn't be able to make it any longer, love came down and rescued me. You have to realize that there are sometimes perils in a promise. And even the blessed must be broken. But just remember that God of angel armies is defending you. He is there with you and walking with you every step of the way. In our weakness, He is made strong. He is our promise keeper and redeemer, our lover and friend. He is our ever faithful Father. And He gives and gives and gives and gives. Even when sometimes we don't deserve it. When we're lying there half dead and we feel like nobody cares. God comes down and He says, I'm here to rescue you. A few months ago, we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He was beaten, bruised, and it felt like death had won. Death said, see, I have won, and you have lost. But early on a Sunday morning, he rose again and said, hang on, devil, hang on, world, hang on, sinners, hang on, saints. That song my wife sang earlier is a story about Mary Magdalene. She was the first person to see Jesus again when He rose again. That person who had saved her from a messed up life. That person who was lying there beaten and bruised in her spirit. And she didn't know what was going to happen. Even the disciples persecuted her. And for her to make it to that tomb and begin to worry, well, there's no hope. I looked in the tomb, there's no hope. It's empty. There's, there's somebody's even taken his body. But when she looked up, standing there before my eyes, every part of my heart cries, alive. 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 When death thought it had won, 
and they had placed Jesus in a tomb. Much like this man, I imagine that when Jesus was on the cross and he breathed that last breath as he hung his head, the crowd that day probably began to thin out. He's dead. He died. He said it himself, it's finished. It's over. And I can see some people hanging their head and maybe disgrace. Some people walking away with cheerful hearts because that's what they wanted after all. But for those that were there three days later, when he came out of the tomb saying, I'm still alive. I'm still alive. I know that it looked bad a few days ago. You didn't think that I was going to make it. I was a dead, dying man. I breathed my last breath. You saw me. They took me off the cross. They placed me in a grave. I know it didn't look good, but I'm still alive. There's breath in my body. I'm alive and well. I'm here again to save you, to protect you. And I tell you what, it's not over. You go and tarry and wait for me in an upper room. And I'm going to visit you some more. But this time it's going to be in a different way. This time when you're in there, I'm not going to be with you. I'm actually going to live inside of you. When you're up there in that upper room and praying, you remember what I was doing on the cross. You remember what I did for you at Calvary. The nails that were driven, the crown of thorns placed upon my head. And what your spirit felt like when you saw me alive again. When you saw me moving again. When the promise didn't look very good. Oh, but you came out of the grave saying, I'm still alive. I'm still alive. John 10 and 10 says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. The devil wants to make sure that this is not in the picture. He doesn't want to see you alive and well. He doesn't want to see greater life alive and well. He doesn't want to see the youth group succeed. He doesn't want to see the children's department flourish. He wants to see you dead, out, and gone. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But guess what? Listen to this. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. I've come to give you life, but not just life. I've come to give you greater life. I've come to give you something better than just regular old life. I've come to give you something better than what you're used to. I know you've had life before, but this is something totally different. Because the enemy's come to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. What's that mean? That means every time I get knocked down, here's some more life. Every time I lose a little bit of life, here's some more life. Well, I'm half dead, God. Well, you're still alive. Come on back. Every time you fall down, the Bible says rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. I know you stealed me, killed me, and you just about destroyed me. And when I was lying there dead, but rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. For when I fall, I know that I'm hurting right now. I know I'm weak right now and don't know how I'm going to make it. My situation's too big. My problem's too much, God. Oh, God, but I know that there's somebody coming. Oh, that's going to pick me up again. And I can declare I'm still alive. Even after the heartaches and pains, I'm still alive. I'm still alive. He said, I've come to give life. One translation says, and give it more than it's really even necessary. 
I've come to give you more than you really even need. No wonder David said, my cup runneth over. He doesn't just top it off and say, okay, you're good now. He says, wait, 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 wait. I know you've been bruised, you've been beaten and left to die. But I'm going to pour it and keep pouring it and keep pouring it. Well, well, what does that mean? That's when you're broken and you've been through it. And you come up to an altar with hands lifted and you begin to cry. God, I don't know if I'm going to make it. God, I don't know how I'm going to do it. That's why when God begins to pour out His Spirit upon you, He says, I know you've been beaten. I know you've been bruised. I know you've been scarred. And your cup begins to run over. So when you leave the house of God, you're full Joy unspeakable and full of glory. It's rolling out of you. You go to the store after a Sunday night church service, you're smiling, you're so glad because God just helped you declare, I'm still alive. Amen. Amen. There was a student pastor whose kids and young people wanted him to go on the show Wiped Out. He thought, out of all the people who sign up to be on this stupid show... On a day-to-day basis, he would never, ever get accepted. But sure enough, he got the call to come out and be on this show, wiped out. After returning home from the show, he kept having problems with his vision and migraines. Thinking he might have had a concussion, he went to get x-rays. And when they found a tumor on his brain, but that day they were able to go in and remove the tumor and they got every single bit of it out. Death had come knocking but God answered the door and no one was there. And just to think, had he not been wiped out, had he not been knocked down and felt a little fuzzy, had he not got knocked down by this show but life had knocked him down and he went to find That it wasn't just a concussion, but he had a tumor on his brain. Had he not been knocked down. Just because you may have fell half dead. Just because you feel like you can't go on any longer. And all of your strength is gone. Remember, you're still alive. Can we stand in this house tonight? Death cannot distract you. Death cannot deviate the plan of God. Death cannot determine your destiny. Death cannot deny you of His blessings. And death cannot detain you when God has already declared you alive. Brother Hughes made mention the other night about a message that he preached years ago. About this place being a hospital. He took this same text and he talked about the Samaritan. He talked about the Samaritan who came. And he took this dying person and he took him in to this hospital. So that they could find healing. That they could find restoration. God had a plan for the fall of man. From the garden when Adam and Eve seemed to have messed it all up. God made a way of repentance through a sacrifice of an animal. If you remember in our story, he said, The thief came to steal 
and destroy and to kill this man. And they left him. He was dying. But a gracious man came and picked him up and made a down payment. It says he took out two pence and he gave it to him and he says, I'd like to see this one restored. And said, if there's any extra debt, I'll be back to pay it off the next time I come through here. And you see, that's what God did when He made a way of repentance through a sacrifice of an animal. He just made a down payment. He just two pence, if you will. But He said, that won't be enough. I'll be back and when I return, I will pay it full. I will be that spotless lamb. And when that stone rolled away, the heaven began to sing as he declared, I'm still alive. Perhaps some of you have been pronounced dead by someone else. Perhaps you have said to yourself, I'm not going to make it. Perhaps you've even thought that about this church. Perhaps you've even thought that about the Sunday school department or the youth group. Well, Brother Landon, it's just not what it used to be. Brother Landon, I remember a time when, oh, that's great. That's great. But there's still life. And God said he made a promise to not just give life, but to give it more abundantly. Some of you can remember what this youth group used to be. Some of you have looked at it and said, it's, it's half dead. There's only a handful that show up. Perhaps you've been that priest that just walked by and looked and said, it's, it's not much anymore. Some of you could think of this place being full of people who are no longer here tonight. You say, well, Brother Landon, it's, our church ain't what it used to be. It's half dead now. It looks like it's got some scars. It looks like it's got some hurts and pains and some problems. I've come to tell you tonight, but there's still life. There's still revival. There's still souls that have not walked into this place. And God is wanting to fill someone with the Holy Ghost. God is still wanting to remind somebody, don't you forget the promise I've made you. Well, Brother Landon, you don't know how far away my kids are from God. You don't, know, you don't know where they're at right now. There's no hope. There's no way. They're still alive. If there's breath in their body, you better believe there's a hope for them spiritually. If they are breathing today, be encouraged. There's still hope. Well, just like Thomas, oh, well, sir... We pronounced you dead a long time ago. How are you going to pronounce me dead when I'm still alive? How are you going to pronounce my church dead when it's still alive? How are you going to pronounce my youth group dead when it's still alive? God, right now, I pray that you would move in this house. God, remind us, Lord. God, let us see the life that is here. God, right now, I pray that you would sweep across this place. God, as we prophesy to the souls, Lord, 
God, that are on their way. God, we are not on the brink of revival. Lord, we're right in the middle of it. God, you're pulling even now. Lord, you're drawing from the north, the south, the east, and the west. God, you're drawing them not to just life, but greater life, Lord. More abundantly to take care of all the scars and pain. I know that it don't look like what it used to. I know it seems broken, beaten, and bruised. Oh, and it's left to die. Oh, but would someone tonight be encouraged that he's only half dead? There's still life. There's still something there. Don't give up on it yet. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. There's a missionary. He spoke at Texas Men's Conference a few years ago. He begins to tell the story of his church. He grew up over in Germany. They had a church and he said, It was me, my mom, my dad, and a sweet old lady. He said, and that sweet old lady would invite people to church everywhere she went. He said, and that sweet old lady would come in and just worship and worship and worship. And finally, she had another lady come with her. And that other lady that came with her was received the gift of the Holy Ghost. So now there's two sweet old ladies, him and his mom and his dad. Only five people. That's no church, right? That's, that's half dead. There's no life there. What are they thinking? But that second sweet old lady that got the Holy Ghost had something get in her spirit. And he said, I watched as this sweet old lady in this little bitty building. He said, she began every service from start to finish. She would walk around in this little bitty room, touching chairs, praying and praying and praying and shouting. He said, she would get up in the front and just shout all across the church. And he said, I was just a young man. And he said, I finally one day was fed up with it. After months and months and months, it's just me, my mom and my dad and these two sweet old ladies. This church ain't going anywhere. This church is hopeless. He said, and I went and grabbed that old lady by the hand. And I said, excuse me, why are you shouting? Why are you worshiping? Why are you praying for, there's nobody else here. Why are you shouting like that and worshiping? And he said, she looked down at me, holding my hand. And he said, she just began to shake it. And she said, I'm shouting because there's nobody here. I'm shouting because I see the youth group sitting on these two rows in the future. I'm shouting because I see my family over here in this section taking up every bit of it. And he said, she began to shake me. And we began to shout together, both of us speaking in other tongues. God began to move. God began to stir. He said, if you go look at that church today, the young people are sitting right where that woman said. He said that her family, every single one of them, received the gift of the Holy Ghost, baptized in Jesus' name, sitting right where she saw it because she had faith. She saw something that maybe someone else didn't see. So I ask you tonight, would you put on faith? Would you see something in this? Would you see that there's still life in this? Would you shout for someone that's not here tonight? Would you cry out to God for that lost soul? God, save my family. Lord, I want to see this church filled. 
Lord, I see it right now. God, the young people taking up that whole right side. God, I see it right now. Lord, that acts class on a Wednesday night, full of people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Lord, I see it right now. God, a full choir. Lord, where we have to bust this wall out to build a bigger church. Lord, I see it tonight by faith. Lord, I know what it looks like right now. Lord, I know what we feel like right now. Oh, but we're shouting tonight for those that aren't here. Lord, we're crying out for our loved ones that aren't in church. God. I wish somebody would step out in faith right now. Declare a promise. There's still life. There's still life. There's still life. Our Sunday school rooms will be filled. Oh, our baptistry will be stirred. Hadalabo.